You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. That would be me. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. If you want to join us, 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show for those of you listening to the podcast version of this. Last name is spelled D-E-A. CE Coming up a little bit later on in this hour, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be taking us inside politics. Also, we're kind of, you know, halfway through. Can you believe it already? Yeah, because it seems like we're aging in dog years, but we are halfway through Donald Trump's first term or, or thereabouts. Where is he at on issues that really impact every family? Educational issues, you know, like Common Core things of that nature, restoring sanity to school bathrooms and, uh, and and locker rooms. We're going to get into that conversation a little bit later on. Also, being that it's Wednesday, we'll play some buy, sell, or hold. But first, we begin, as we always do, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by Adventures in Progressivism. Ben Shapiro had a speaking engagement at Ohio State University yesterday, so naturally the school sent out this email directing students who felt threatened to safe spaces. Austin Fletcher of Fleckus Talks was at the event. He tried to talk to a few of the protesters. Are you guys for or against Ben? Against Ben. Do you think you should speak tonight or no? No. No. Not at all. What about free speech and the Constitution? How does it work? That's a good point, but he shouldn't be allowed to have free speech if he's going to preach the kinds of things that he preaches. Are you for or against Ben Shapiro? Well, what are some of the things that you're talking about, though? I don't know what he said specifically. Okay. Do you know any quotes or anything? I don't know what he said specifically. I just don't agree with his platform and his party platform. Are you for or against Ben? Are you for or against Ben? I don't want to talk to you. For centuries, men have had their chance to rule government with middling to poor results. Who's ready to let women take charge completely? Just women. I know I am. Incoming Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez joined sit-in in Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi's office, calling for efforts to combat climate change. In many ways, Nancy Pelosi is the original badass woman of Washington. I'm so confused. CNN has sued the White House on behalf of their beleaguered White House correspondent. What's his name? Jim? Jim oh, Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta, that's who's... Yeah, he had his press pass revoked for being an insufferable child. Behold, crony capitalism at work. Amazon has picked Crystal City, Virginia as the location of its second headquarters. $2.4 billion in mostly taxpayer-provided incentives helped sweeten the deal for the company. There's also this little tidbit. Under the agreement between Amazon and Virginia, the state has to give the company a heads-up regarding any Freedom of Information Act requests to, quote, allow the company to seek a protective order or other appropriate remedy, end quote. So that's cool. 
Hamas has been busy over the last uh, couple days, you know, launching a bunch of rockets into Israel at, you know, civilians and and it's not getting any coverage in our media. So that's also cool. And finally, an old friend dropped by to ask for directions to his new office. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. All right, a lot to uh, unpack there. Let, let's start with uh, the reaction to Ben Shapiro's appearance yesterday at Ohio State University. When, when we talk about progressivism being a cult, the, the spirit of this age, the, the heresy of this era, that it is not a political ideology, it's a religion. It produces a sort of religious fervor within its people. It, it causes or requires in order to buy into it a certain amount of conditioning. What do I mean by conditioning? What I mean by that is people have to be indoctrinated. There, you can be inculcated into something, meaning that you are taught why something is the way that it is so strongly that you come to believe it. Indoctrination means you just believe that's the way things are, whether you've ever been shown that that's true or not. And just your mind cannot fathom an alternative to that, um, to that lie, to that statement. It, it, it can't abide it. The dude, <laughs> to use a famous movie line from when I was younger, the dude cannot abide. All right. Uh, and so when you are presented with a pushback reactions you'll often get are um, anger and vitriol uh, profanity laced uh, anger and vitriol um, silence um, you may even in, in some extreme cases you you'll even see when someone's just been conditioned to the point of brainwashing literally a, their eyes will blink and it's a it's it's their brains resetting so that they will then begin to run down the gauntlet the the checklist of what they have been indoctrinated to say almost as if what you're saying isn't never occurred um like like the how 9000 uh good morning dave cannot compute it it it, it just it it doesn't their the wiring would won't permit this new programming and so it just goes, it, it, you're not human anymore. Um, it just, it goes, it, it runs right through its, its hard wiring uh, because you've been so indoctrinated that any form of give and take critical thinking just isn't possible in your current spiritual and or mental condition. Uh, they, will, uh, they will not know how to respond with any, with any pushback. And what do I mean by pushback? Even light pushback, like, can you give me specific, like what you saw Austin do in that clip, can you give me specific examples to back up what it is you're saying? No. Everything you need. I know cult is a strong word. I get it, and I'm, I'm using it on purpose. And not just because I watched this really good movie on Netflix last night called Endless Night about these two brothers who escape a UFO death cult and then go back. It's really good, by the way. I would highly recommend it. It's an interesting film. But um, 
I've been using this notion of progressivism as a cult, talking about it regularly for the last couple of years, because that's what it is. It's not it, 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 the, progre- the, 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 the ideology, the political ideology that comes from it is not the source any more than I'm not a Christian because I'm pro-life. I'm pro-life because I'm a Christian, meaning my faith is the source of why I take this position. I'm not in a cult, so I'm a progressive. Because I'm a progressive, I'm in a cult. It's, it's the source of it. All of the trappings that you see of what I just described is cult-like behavior. Tell me which one of those characteristics I just described are not in that video, Todd Go. You can't. I won't. Because they're all in there. Aaron, every last one of those are in there, are they not? Yeah, and that was like a 30-second clip. And, okay, creative editing. I, I promise you that if we just went into this room and went live and did all the same things, I promise you we would get all the same reactions. And the one attempt you would get or the the the... The, the minority of people who would attempt to come up with legitimate reasoning, they would say things like, he's anti-Semitic. Because I've seen that charge. I've, I've, seen, uh, I've seen him accused of that. Point of order. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. And, 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 you, and you can't get them off of it. They won't move. Now, I'll tell you this. Let's make some enemies this morning, shall we? I was counting on it. Yeah. I was counting on it. That's why I'm here. That's why I came to work today. I'm beginning to see more and more of this notion of these notion of of this kind of behavior. And group this is this is a form of groupthink, is what we're talking about. I I see it more and more on the right. It's it's occurring more and more on the right. We there's an aspect of of Trump's uh, support that we used to call a cult. It is. Do you hear that? It's the sound of lots of people at their keyboards sending you emails saying you hate Mr. Trump. In which they're about to confirm everything that I just said for me. Yes. I mean, I, I, I ran into a modified version of this yesterday on my own Facebook wall with a guy who wanted to dispute that Martha McSally is not a conservative. So I sent him her actual voting record. How do we do our scorecard at Conservative Review? I mean, this is really Daniel Horowitz's brainchild. He can tell you more about it than I could. But essentially, to give you the, the, the layman's version of it, it's, it's a rolling average of your, of your last 50 votes. And if, if that's why I don't tend to look at people's liberty scores their first year or two in office, because chances are they haven't taken 50 votes, right? You know? And the reason we do a rolling average, see, a lot of other groups will do weighted voting based on the particular issue or slate of issues that they specialize in. So like at a club for growth issues that they think are more in line with what their donors are make as a priority list are going to get weighted more than, you know, uh, maybe a weighted vote would, would at national right to life. Actually, that's a bad example because all you got to just be is a Republican who gets elected at national right to life. will give you a passing grade. Yeah. Okay. But, but, Ouch. but we don't, we don't do, I'm just, Hey, 
That's true. Truth bomb. <laughs> That's the truth, guys. That's the truth. Just get elected as an R and you become pro-life, according to the National Right to Life Committee. That's all that it takes. You can keep vote, you can vote for Planned Parenthood's funding to the cows come home, baby, and they won't change their grade. Their team GOP all the way. For us, it's just a rolling average. And we don't weight immigration higher than tax cuts or anything of that nature because we are 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 we are we social conservative review? Are we fiscal conservative review? Are we judicial conservative review? What are we? We are a uh, conservative review. So it's it, we don't you know it's not this this one slate of conservatism's priorities take weight over another. It's just a rolling average of did you vote in general for the things conservatives are trying to conserve? Yes or no? That's it. You know, can it get can it be a more basic algorithm than that? Apparently, apparently it can be, you know, apparently it can get really complicated. And so I just sent this guy back on my Facebook wall yesterday, a link to Martha McSally's voting record. It, his next reply to me was like, I never sent that. And he's went right back into his spiel. That that's, that's called cognitive dissonance is what that's called. And when it becomes a default setting, meaning something that someone <clears throat> is engaged in on a regular basis, when confronted with un, unfavorable or um, inconvenient information, that is, that's hardcore cultic behavior right there. That's exactly what it is. And if you want to know, if you want to know what hardcore cognitive dissonance looks like, it's in the clip we showed you there of Ben Shapiro's speech. So here's the one, one way you can tell if the person you're trying to engage on the other end is in a cult or not, here's one way you can tell. Can you, can you make better arguments for the position they think they're taking than they can? Right? Can you make better arguments for the position they think they're taking than they can? Could the three of us articulate better why a bunch of prog cultural progressive Marxists should be opposed to Ben Shapiro than what you just saw in that clip. Could we do a better job of it? It's not even debatable. Yeah. You might not believe what our arguments. Yeah, yeah but we might not believe those arguments, but could we, could we explain what they think they believe sure. better than they could? Sure. That's a clear sign of pure, in, uh, undefiled indoctrination. They have no clue why they believe what they believe. That's mob outside of Lot's house the night the sulfur came down stuff. I just want to be on this bandwagon. I just feel like I should be here. And why do you feel that way? Because the number one thing a cult supplies for you is an identity. What's the primary driving ethic of the left these days? We would call it what? Identity? What? Politics. Identity politics. Hmm. Identity politics. See that guy on my Facebook wall who had no evidence Martha McSally's a conservative and then just disregarded all the evidence that she's not? He's guilty of an identity politic. That's a modified form of a cult. All right. He just, you know, he's Team GOP and, you know, he's at the dinner table at night uh, thanking Rona, McDan Rona, Rona Romney McDaniel, whoever the chairman of the RNC is right now, for the food on their table as if they're God. All right. That's when you, whatever you conform your definition of right and wrong to, or whatever you attach your, your core identity to, is your God. Period. End of sentence. 
every time in every human culture, regardless of custom, language, period. And so when one of the major political parties in America has as its driving force identity politics, what they're really telling you is who's their God, their politics. That's their core identity. And that's exactly why I call progressivism a cult, Todd. Why do I keep thinking about that time in the gospel when Jesus says that this kind of demon can only be uh, driven out through prayer? And that goes right to why we say, what have we said on this show for years? The ultimate, the ultimate remedy of this is what? Well, actually, I would say the only remedy to this is if we're dealing with a spiritual condition, you know, does Beelzebub, if we're, gonna, if we're going New Testament here, can Beelzebub cast out Beelzebub? No. I mean, you, can't, you cannot get rid of a bad theology with another bad theology. The only cure for a bad theology is what? A good one. And, you know, we're not going to get that from a political party. That's why I have no problem if, if you want to just go out and vote. I don't have a problem at all. I, I don't even think it's a lesser of two evils argument. I think it's actually better than that. I, I think it's I, I, where it becomes a lesser of two evils argument, which is a fallacy. There's no such thing as the lesser of two evils, guys. No such thing. It's like targeting in f- college football. Do you know what it is? Do you know what targeting is? Nor a catch. N- n- nobody, n- nobody knows. It, targeting is everything and nothing at the same time. It's nebulous. So is the lesser of two evils. It's nebulous. On one end, everything in life is the lesser of two evils. Could my wife have married somebody better than me? I'm sure in 7 billion people, if she had held out a little longer on this planet, she'd have found someone somewhat better than me, which means invariably she's married to what? What is she married to? The lesser. Steve, the lesser. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> He's been waiting like three years to say that. And, and right on cue, could I have found a better employee somewhere than Aaron McIntyre if I tried? No. Yes. Yeah, somewhere. There's got to be somebody better than this millennial you saddled me with. Yes. All right. So invariably, uh, Aaron is working for the lesser of two evils, and the lesser of two evils is working for me. Same thing with you. Same thing with Ron, who's not permitted to speak down in Dallas. Right on down the line, everywhere you go, you could do worse. Could you do worse everywhere you go? Everywhere you go, could you do worse? Could you do worse than where you're at right now? Could it be worse? Yeah. Everything could be worse. So invariably, everything's the lesser of two evils. Happy which, Wednesday, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> which means if everything's the lesser of two evils, then what's it also mean? Nothing is. That's also what it means. It's a nebulous, it's a lie. It's a, it's a, it's a slogan we, we say, like, um, everything is relative. It's a talking point. It's a rationalization. It's not true. There's no such thing as the lesser of two evils. Because everything's the lesser of two evils, and nothing is at the same time. It's what we call, in the, in the philo- philosophical world, it's what's called a fallacy. All right? So, to me, um, I, you have one side that is openly promoting cultic behavior with, with an intention of undoing every last vestige of your way of life. You have another side that doesn't really stand for anything other than mammon and graft. And corruption. But it doesn't threaten you, really, in a fundamental way. It's annoying as hell. It does nothing to to improve your situation. Nothing. Nothing to improve your situation. Remember the beloved list of judges we were going to get from Trump that the Heritage Foundation mm-hmm. handed him? We've had. Remember when I said I'd get a, I'd get a, a face tat? 
a face tat of, of if any of any member on that list was ever confirmed in the Supreme Court and how much hate I got. And remember that, remember that a couple years ago? We've had two Supreme Court openings. How many of them have been filled by people on the original heritage list, guys? Guess it's a really low number. The letter a, number zero. It's zero. Zero. Zero have been filled by the people on that heritage list that were uh, apparently the number one reason to vote for Trump. Okay? So you fall for fallacies like that when you believe a fallacy. And the lesser of two evils is a fallacy. There's nothing noble or virtuous happening here. And, but you know what? There doesn't have to be when survival is at stake. When survival is at stake, does it, does, are, we, are we sitting there thinking, well, you know, did I, did I use the passive voice in the active part of the, in, in the, in the active uh, sentence? Um, did, I have, uh, am I, uh, did I have the right antecedent? Uh, to my pronoun here. And, and did I use a double negative? When you're in the middle of, uh, are you thinking about those things when your home's in the middle of an invasion, Todd? So you're, you're saying we're in Helm's Deep right now. Yes, yeah. yeah. There, 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 not everything needs to be noble and virtuous when survival is at stake. Survival is at stake. I believe that. I, that so I don't require noble or virtue. I, I think Martha McSally is a scam artist. I'd have voted for her. Because she doesn't threaten my survival. Well, she buys you time. Yeah. It's a noose. Instead of a instead of a guillotine, as I said yesterday. Yes, one that there is a possibility of of loosening at some point. Or you drink the poison I'll, because you think there's an antidote or yes, something along yes, those lines. Yes, yeah, albeit remote. Yeah, I can untie a knot on a noose. When the guy drops the guillotine, what happens? You did. Yeah, gravity. <laughs> That's what happens. It hits bottom. And so do we. That's when we find out, man, there really isn't a lesser of two evils. I'm watching my head don't, roll on the floor. Don't assign an identity to gravity like that. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to assume gravity's identity. All right. I think some of you are all worked up because you think we're trying to talk you out of your positions. No, we're not. We're trying to talk you out of your delusions. Those are two totally different things. You can, do this, you can come to the same conclusion we are from, from the wrong premise. Because let me tell you, your odds of untying, if Martha McSally represents the noose, the odds of you untying that knot go down the more and more you, be, you believe the fallacy associated with her. You see what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say? Because if you believe you're doing something noble or virtuous by voting for her, you won't ever attempt to loosen the noose. Agreed. You'll believe well, the noose is a, is, a, is a fun place. It's your happy place. It's your safe space. I got a little bit of this yesterday, people were criticizing me uh, on Twitter about what I said about Jim Jordan. I don't think he's a bad guy. I'm just, do you, do you see the news cycle every single day and the level of dedication, religious dedication to a pagan cause that Steve is talking about? All I'm telling you is the current version of Jim Jordan that we've seen is not remotely the answer to that. It does not mean I'm asking him to go away. I'm just saying, let's be serious about who the enemy yeah. is. And then perhaps uh, Jim Jordan uh, can be a different kind of uh, man. Uh, and so can we all. But I'm just saying, do not make uh, idols of your own to answer their idols. Not going to work. Never going to work. Yeah, I can also I can also hear people um, typing right now their e- angry emails to Steve saying, "Well, why are you so self-righteous? Why do I? Why does the, those people's voices in my head always sound sound like Steve Schmidt?" That's another topic, though. Um, <laughs> I, lest you think that we're being self-righteous, or we just have taken some sort of we're so, we're so above this. Just no, each one of us to some degree has been under this delusion about this party at some point in our lifetimes. Um, 
it's just that when I was, I was too young to vote. And so when I was old enough to vote, I didn't vote it or I didn't register as Republican. So we're not coming at this as um, some sort of the same sort of elitist snobbery that you get elsewhere from like the Stephen Schmitz of the world. Um, we're, just, we're just saying pleading. We it, this is what we this. We're just trying to be honest with you. This is what it is. Um, we're trying to make um, we're trying to make. Um, you know, crap salad out of crap here. Um, and the longer that we keep holding on, as Todd was saying, to our own idols of this party, thinking that they're going to be able to to to, to swing us out from from the uh, from the slouching or sprinting to Sodom and Gomorrah that we're seeing, um, the, the 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 tighter the noose gets, the the faster uh, the faster the guillotine falls on us. And this is. This is the battle of our lifetimes because we are on one side up against a cult and on the other side, we are up against our own self-delusion. This is, that's, that is, that is vital there. See, the, 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 the outward form of cultish behavior you're seeing from the leftists today, they didn't just start here. Okay. You don't start in a place like this. You slouch towards Gomorrah. Yes, yeah. Who said the, that? The once? day you arrive at the compound, you're you're not like this day one. You're a seeker. You're a skeptic. Like any like if you showed up in an actual church, if you showed up in an actual church, you might be kind of like, eh, I think I'm interested. I'm not sure. Tell me more. Same thing happens day one at the compound, guys. All right. So, but you get drawn more and more in. You get to the place they're at right now. Let me tell you how you get to the place, the, 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 these, this core group of leftists we saw in that video. Let me tell you how you get to the place that you're at right now. You, you eventually arrive there when you make that your God. When you make that your God. In fact, let me put even a finer point on it. Ready for this? You arrive there when you make it your Savior. When you make it your savior, because, you know, there was a time in my life I made my love of my favorite sports teams, my God, it would alter my mood. And I'm not just talking, I'm ticked off that we lost for the rest of the day, like for days on end, like Amy would be like, you know, do I, you know, should, do I need to come back tomorrow? Okay. That's a form of I'm making this my God. It's, it's altering how I am behaving. That, that's the step before we get to what you see in that video. What you see in that video are these people crying out to or standing up for their Savior, their Messiah, their Deliverer. This process that they believe in, this is their Savior. And when we change what we believe to justify attachment to a political party? I don't think some of you understand how close you are to the people in that video when you do that. I don't know if you're one step away, but you're in the final few steps before you cross the line that they eventually crossed. How many times the last couple of years have we said, why is it so hard to say Donald Trump is not a good person? And... If I had the say, I'd like to put a better person in the White House, but I don't have the say. So, you know, 
that in a way I almost appreciate even more when he does stuff that I think is right because I know it's coming from such a broken individual. How many times have we said the last couple of years, why is that so hard? How many times have we asked that? A ton. You know why it's so hard? Because there's a lot of people on our side that don't want that to be true. They, they need him to be their hero. They need him. They need him to be the savior. You know who else needs their political system to be their savior? The people in that video. They need it too. We're not holistically as a movement as far away from them as you, as many I think of us think we are. We're kind of where they were about 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah. All right. And if we keep going down this road, we're going to wake up one day. The fact that people are being removed, you know, Michael Medved's a nice guy. He was nice to me when I was at Salem. I thought he was an okay talk show host, far more moderate and, and, and liberal on a slate of issues than me. But the reason they removed him is simply because he didn't support Trump enough. That's a bad sign, guys. Do you know how many places in our industry you can make a living that you could feed your family at market value? And, and it doesn't have to start with the premise of criticize Trump when he doesn't deserve it and praise him when he does or praise him when he doesn't deserve it. Do you know how many places? Not many. We're like working at two. two of them right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a short list, guys. It's a really short list. And what that tells you is we're not too many steps away from becoming the other side of the coin of what we saw in that Ben Shapiro video. We're live here on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. Stay tuned. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It was beginning to look a lot like Christmas in here a couple days ago for you. Aaron. Yeah, yeah, boy, uh, it is. Uh, in, it, is it, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Um, and even though it's, it's only November, it's never too early to start thinking about, uh, you know, being the, the best Santa or the best friend or the best family member of, like, all time. And I target pro. For those family members who are big fans of the Second Amendment and firearms, iTarget Pro is the uh, is is really the best option for you at this point. I got mine in the other day. I set it up finally. Took about five minutes to set up everything. Got the app downloaded really quickly and uh, started uh, started my trial on this. And it's it is a really nifty little product i mean you put the the bullet into your chamber and then inside that bullet depending on what um you know what caliber of, of gun you have there is a laser and your phone tracks on a target where that laser is being fired a lot more information at itargetpro.com just for just before i give you more information about how you can get this uh this is this is what my first target looked like right there now this was just me setting it up 
And so I wasn't very far away. In the distance, the one foot, that's not that's not correct. But This is one know, hell of a humble bragger, yeah, don't you think? Well, I was only... I mean, I'm I told the beginner, I just gave it a shot. I, well, I, don't know, I, was, I was only just, you know, a couple feet away. So I'm not that good, just so you know. Um, but that that's what the first that's what the first target looks like, and it's really, really cool. Uh, again, utilizing your smartphone, the app tracks a caliber-specific laser, which fits in your firearm and detects exactly where your shot is landing, as you can see there. It's completely safe. Comes with your caliber-specific laser, as I said, target system and instructions, so you can begin training immediately and just think about the face on your firearm-loving family or friend on Christmas morning. Go to the letter itargetpro.com, check on the video, check out the video, choose your caliber, and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. Right now, get free shipping through the end of the year, Plus, save an additional 10% with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, take your skills to the next level safely and effectively. That's iTargetPro.com, iTargetPro.com. Free shipping now through the end of the year. I got to tell you, man, I've never been more prouder of you than how you found a way to mix in your marksmanship into the ad. Left the clip up there. Of your marksmanship forever, forever, the yep. whole time you were talking. Yep. I half expected you to drop a it's, guys. If you get an iTarget Pro, you might even someday be as good of a shot as me. I half oh, expected darn. you to drop one of those. I didn't think of that. That would have worked out really well. Next Beautiful. time he'll be blindfolded. Yeah. Just yes, yeah. I'm not Shooting sure. Were from we, the hip. Were we promoting iTarget Pro or well, Aaron, Aaron McIntyre's marksmanship there? Hey, hey. I mean, it's it. The app is what it is. I mean, I, I haven't shot for like a while, and I used to be a. Yeah, really, I came in cold would, off the bench, I guys. Would, I used to be a really good shot, so that was that was again. That was from a few feet away. That's me not next, trying right ne- there. Yeah, <laughs> next, next time, next time I show you, I'm actually going to go 20 shots from like I don't know 15 feet away. It's not going to be as pretty. How bad. far away can you beat? Uh, as I think, as far away as you can actually, it's kind of designed for indoor outdoor use, but mostly for indoor, it's a dry fire, uh, product, you know, training, dry fire training. So you could, I mean, conceivably be as far away as, as you wanted to be. I mean, it's not work. It doesn't work for like sniper rifles or anything like that, but I, I would say as, as far away as you can get in like a f- typical firing range or gun range. From a masterful humble brag to our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz joins us now to take us inside politics here. Uh, live on the blaze on demand at Sarah TV. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Great to be with you. Now I know my next career. Hey, gun instructor. That sounds like fun. Hey, I got I to gotta call your woe and lamentation street cred. I hate to do it, bro, but you know it's the dude code. I got another email from you today about a column you have written. With the with the lead or the thesis or the headline, quote, Republicans miss golden opportunity, end quote. I sort of feel as if you've written uh, that theme uh, a few times already, going back to the well, expecting the Republicans to get it. Daniel, I, I'm not sure woe and lamentation means, brother, what you think it means. You know, Steve, I'm at the point where I'm like, you know— don't they just want to win? I mean, I, I know we don't care about what's right. I, I get that. But don't they just want to win? It, it's make Soros great again. I mean, literally, you look at Soros' top agenda items, and Republicans are all about creating more Soros voters. I mean, Steve, I don't have words to describe the following dynamic 
we find ourselves in today. So Republicans lose an election because suburban voters are turned off by them. So their response to that election coinciding with their final act, their final utilization of the trifecta of governance that they have, because again, you don't lose that right away. It's not until January, is to come back and elect a reelect the leadership that led them into the minority as the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise. And B, Donald Trump supposedly at 430 will announce that he is going to support the cuck globalist um, swampiest Soros thing you could imagine, the jailbreak at a time when we're losing suburban voters, when we have a an unprecedented drug trafficking crisis, when illegals from the caravan are now climbing our border wall and coming in anyway, we are retroactively releasing drug traffickers. Oh, and by the way, at a time when Democrats are going to promote gun control of law-abiding American gun owners – retroactively releasing gun felons, early time credits for um, child porn convicts, as long as it wasn't multiple convictions. And, um, you know, you look at WikiLeaks, and it is very clear from the documents they have that the jailbreak agenda, because it seamlessly leads to felons voting, which you see they have already with all these state initiatives, is the top source agenda over and beyond even open borders. You know, I I said to you, you think I'm the prophet of war and lamentations. I don't even see my own prophecies. I mean, I've been I've been supplanted. See, I turned to a colleague when Trump won the nomination, and you know, we were supporting Cruz and we we're upset. And I said, look, the one thing at least I know is I could take one issue off my portfolio. I no longer have to worry about jailbreak. With Trump. Enough said. Mm. Daniel, I'm a little concerned that uh, Democrats in uh, in a couple of states are facing a November 20th deadline uh, to certify the final votes in these contested Senate races. I'm not sure they're going to get the votes they need by then. Don't you think we at least ought to give them through Thanksgiving? I have full confidence that they will get what they need. Good. Um, Good. No, no, I mean, Steve, you have to Is this another example of streamlining waste, fraud, and abuse that they can cheat sooner now? It won't take them as long. Well, well, they they could because, I mean, to be fair, see, Republicans and conservative, our colleagues, don't give a damn about policy, but you got to vote Republican. But ironically, even that they only care about for a couple weeks. Democrats focus on elections 365 days a year. Whether it's the legal grassroots organizing, which is still legal, but they'll they'll get them to you know registered. Whether it's unethical ballot harvesting, um, whether it's building an insurance policy by proactively pushing provisional voters into the polling station, knowing under state law they're not eligible, but knowing that the courts will on the back end mandate that they vitiate state law and count them. They they got us. They got it. Um, the only thing they need us for is to let the felons out of jail so that, that when Republicans uh, seamlessly agree to allow felons to vote, they have more voters on the up and up you know, legally to go and cast ballots. And uh, that, that's where we are. You're going to like this. I talked about this at the top of the show yesterday. One of my best friends. I mean, like we're like not political friends. We're, we're friends, friends. 
I just have served in similar political causes. Been a guest in my home numerous times. Have kids, my kids have known him for years. And I helped him get started in politics many years ago when he was just coming out of college. And so he, is, um, he, he was running a national super PAC that was on the ground in several of these states, uh, and uh, particularly in these Senate races. And and one of the state he of all the states he was on the ground, the only one they lost was Arizona. So they start hearing reports of voter fraud. So he starts sending, he's got waves of canvassers in all these states. And he starts sending his canvassers out uh in these in these uh, predominantly democratic voting areas in Arizona. Uh and and people are literally signing affidavits. He calls me about this yesterday. Uh, before we went on the air, they're literally signing affidavits saying, yeah, I mean, the Democrats came by here a couple days ago and picked up my ballot. Well, the election was Tuesday and a couple days ago was like a full week after the election. <laughs> All right. He's got, he's got Steve, I got, I got stacks of these, of these affidavits. And I'm like, wait a minute, what state did you say this was? And he's like, it's Arizona. I mean, this was the state where, so last night the Republican who's a total rhino anyway, goes on Twitter with her dog. To wish Kristen Cinema, who literally hates her constituents, literally hates them, wishing her well. Hey, great race. We did our best. Everyone tried hard. Go get them, girlfriend. Girl power, right? And last night, she's surrendering while you're collecting affidavits where Democrats are signing off, literally saying we committed voter fraud. In other words, you're telling me you're trying harder to get her elected than she is? And there was like a three second pause on the other end of the phone. And he said to me, he goes, well, I guess when you put it like that. And I thought if that ain't a metaphor for what being in aligned with this political party is brother, I don't know what is Daniel. I know you will appreciate that anecdote. You know, it's like the, the article I put out today with the golden opportunity. You look at the jailbreak polling and, and it's not loaded. It's a straight up question. Do you want to early release heroin traffickers? Do you want – would you think more likely, uh, more favorably of a candidate or a member of Congress who supports such a thing? Um, are our laws too tough? It was like 70 to 15 on our side among Democrat voters, and it was most pronounced among suburban women with teenage kids in the suburbs. I, I can't want to win more than they do. And and um, what was you, you had at, you dug up some of the exit polling on Trump's immigration yeah. rhetoric? What did you find there that I, th- I so, think so our audience needs to hear? So I, I was very perturbed. You know, you talk about Arizona. I'm just pulling it up here. You talk about Arizona, and um, I was wondering how did we lose in Arizona? I mean, Doug Ducey, the governor, won, but how did how did we lose? And you know, I was thinking, did the, all the illegal immigration? just suddenly overwhelm us and now we have too many you know i guess you know illegals that became legal and now you know they're they're overwhelming us but the hispanic proportion of the of the electorate hasn't grown and it hasn't turned more against us than any time last six eight or years or so um and i and i look and i and i look at the immigration issue and they asked the following question very similar to the jailbreak question i referenced was is trump's position on immigration quote too tough quote, about right or, quote, not tough enough. In Arizona, 35% said too tough and 58% said either about right and uh, like 20% or so said not tough enough. And then I realized, oh, yeah, Martha McSally, she didn't run on the issue. We're leaving that issue on the table. I mean, you understand. Aaron's laughing. 
in Arizona. Arizona is overrun <laughs> by this stuff. I mean, you want to talk about suburban voters in Arizona. You could – the ads write themselves. Remember when John McCain stuff. lied in the TV ad about, quote, build the damn fence? Remember that ad 10 years ago? So in that state that's had – that's been ground zero for the illegal immigration problem, you're telling us the Republican uh, nominee for Senate didn't run on the issue. Not in a meaningful way. I mean you saw in the 11th hour when you had that RNC ad that actually you know showed the guy convicted of, of killing cops. And by the way, Fox, you know, poor news, the big – conservative elect Republicans who joined oh, CNN's then, lawsuit against Jim Acosta today. Did you see that? If folks want to know, Hey, what's, what's virtue signaling mean? Fox news joining CNN's luck sham lawsuit against Trump. That that's peak virtues. That's the virtue signal to end all virtue <laughs> signals right there. That's what it is. You know, and and yeah. I wanted to get to that in a minute, but before that, Steve, so they joined um, in <laughs> refusing to air this ad and, and, when the media tells you what you're not allowed to do, that's when you know that's effective. Exactly If right. they would yes. have ran for 12 months on a Willie Horton-style agenda with the drug crisis, crime, criminal aliens, the, you know, climbing over the fence, this stuff, they would have crushed these guys. And by the way, the poll doesn't ask on the issue in a vacuum. It says Trump. Is Trump too tough? So it's kind of loaded because a lot of these suburban voters we know – don't like him personally. You could imagine if you would ask the question divorced of Trump, it would be even more favorable. I, th- They could pass 25 things in the lame duck session, and they are choo- choosing to retroactively release the worst federal drug traffickers of all. I, 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 I got nothing for you. I, I just don't know what to tell you. All right. Well, I, I got to get your take. I know we've already laughed about it, but we're going to run out of time here. I, I got to get get your take on Fox News today joining CNN's lawsuit against the Trump White House. Apparently have a constitutional right to a, a press pass, I guess. Is that, I, 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 they could be sending other White House reporters there. I, I don't, I don't understand their case. I don't, other than, well, no, I, I, if, other I, I than grandstanding, I get, I get if they want to grandstand, I get that, but I don't understand their case. So to be fair, I actually understand where they're coming from. I don't understand conservatives who are upset about it because We've already said that a court can, and indeed the courts have, redefined marriage, and the courts indeed have said that 7.5 billion people can literally litigate their way into the country and then litigate their way into citizenship for their children against the will of the nation. So, I mean, one American quasi-journalist had access to the White House I mean, look, I don't agree with that, but it's not nearly as radical as that stuff. And seemingly our colleagues weren't up in arms about not only the lawsuits, but them succeeding in those lawsuits on a daily basis. I don't know why, you know, look, if it's going to take freaking Jim Acosta to get our people to focus on judicial supremacy, I'm all for it. But notice how they'll only focus on it when it's like attacking the media. But for Fox's vantage point, I mean, they're pretty consistent. They believe in anchor baby jurisprudence. You know, the 24-7, two weeks ago, they were running all these uh, pseudo-TV scholars saying how anyone could, has a right to drop a baby here and demand citizenship. So, hey, you know, Jim Acosta is nothing but an anchor journalist. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm going to say something really snotty. 
as if that wasn't snotty enough. You know, right now at like the Weekly Standard and National Review, they are drawing straws right now to see who gets who gets the gig of writing the post Jim Acosta wins in the federal courts and how terrible of an overreach this decision was. But stay of course, in your lane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really not nice. We're you so know, dead. Uh, th- th- that's not what statute says. Turn out Come the on, lights. God. The party's and, over. And you know, you know, and you know what's going to happen is there'll be some federal judge in the astro- actual district will side with Trump. And then some like circuit court panel in the Ninth Circuit on the West Coast, totally out of jurisdiction, will just come in over the top (laughs) with no standing at all and say no. And then someone at the Weekly Standard or National Review is going to write the column that says we we must abide by what the federal court of appeals say, whether they've got standing or not. Those have spoken Zarathustra. (laughs) You know it's coming. Because we know how this ends. There's a process, Steve. That's the best part about this. After a guy with no standing does this, the lecture, the fundamentals of the lecture, because we heard it on this show before Steve there's a process you gotta follow yes. follow the process these are complete broken air quotes Aaron conservatives <laughs> I got 90 seconds Daniel or less looks like there was a bit of a blue wave now that we're actually counting the legitimate votes they're, they're gonna get close to a 40 seat gain here in the house are they not well, Steve, you got to understand, we've all said Democrats benefit from early voting, but it seems like it's the late voting that, that's really the problem. <laughs> you know, Steve, look, I, I, I was just— 30 you know, seconds, saw, go. I understand Republicans don't care about our values, but now the courts are determining who wins elections, and they just don't care. Look, at the, at the bottom line is this. If one individual federal judge now has more power than the majorities of the House and Senate and the President put together, nothing matters. Daniel, we'll see you next week. More in a moment. I just can't stop laughing about Fox News joining CNN's. It is such ridiculous virtue. It it is pleading, and it's it's it, its patheticness is unlimited. It is pleading for relevancy amongst a pe- bunch of people whose asses you routinely kick. That's got to be some kind of dude code violation, guys. Like. I just blew you out. We just played a game, and I beat you 50 to nothing. But I'd really, you know, I, I, don't, need the, I don't need the win. I, I, I want you to like, I need you to like me more. This is beyond pathetic. It is literally one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen in my career. And that's saying something because we, we have been doubling down on pathetic daily for the last few years. Why, why is, isn't Mitch McConnell's wife on the board of directors at Fox? Where's, no, but according to Eric Erickson, she is heavily involved in uh, their programming. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. But, okay. Yeah. But this is journalism and its sense of itself and it's why it's magical and not at all broken. I mean, even there at Fox, their sense of you, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. That It is within the water of journalism and that is why you're seeing this. And, and to frame it, the context, you remember when uh, the, the Fox guy who was 
given the boot for different reasons. James, uh, a while ago by Obama. Uh, oh, James Rosen. James Rosen, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And and the uh, now we uh, to some degree we are comparing apples and oranges, uh, but. The, ABC, all of them came to Fox's defense. There, mm-hmm. I don't. There may be a sense of, you know, you always talk about the 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 asinine collegiality that ultimately exists uh, within Congress and places like that, where they're, they're their tribe. They don't care about any of us at all. There might be some of that at play as well. So I, so, so most of you probably don't know this, but uh, and Aaron helps me produce it for fun in my spare time. I produce, and with Aaron's immense help, a weekly show that you can go on YouTube uh, that talks about my Michigan Wolverines. You know, and and we and um, it's not huge, but we're getting it. We get over about we get over ten thousand views an episode on YouTube alone. Right? We're the fastest growing Michigan sports <laughs> podcast. <laughs> For people that don't know, I always tell people. Uh, don't ever use fastest growing in your uh, branding. Fastest growing always means they're in last. That's always what it means. Okay. But we're getting, you know, that's over 10,000 yeah, views it's an episode. It's definitely decent. Not yeah. count, that doesn't count what we're getting on iTunes and stuff like that. That's just right off of YouTube. You know, the amount of, you know, I, the how many M Live, which is one of the big newspaper chains in Michigan, how many M Live articles do you think get 10,000 clicks a day covering the Wolverines? Not that many. So last year when the Wolverines were in the Frozen Four, that's hockey's version of the Final Four. I don't even think I told you this at the time, Aaron. But the Frozen Four was in Minneapolis, so it's only a few hours up I-35 from where we live. Wife and I are big hockey fans, you know, and I'm like, I didn't even ask to sit in the, in the limited press avails. I just used my Michigan podcast as a moniker and as a, as a platform to get press credentials to the Frozen Four. This is the biggest event in college hockey, but it's, Really not that big of an event. Like maybe seven, eight, nine thousand people were there. Not it's not jam packed. And I was denied. They told me I was not, you know, a big enough standing essentially to get press passes to the Frozen Four to cover Michigan in it. Were my constitution by this by what Fox and CNN are claiming? Did did the NCAA violate my constitutional rights? Am I? You, are you entitled to a press pass? No. It depends on how you feel about it today. So that's I think true. That, that's, that's true. You know what? And on that note, let's move on. 888, because that's really all that matters. I emote, therefore I am. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And if you are listening via podcast, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you have time today, leave us one of those five-star reviews. If you like what we do, if you don't, don't lie. But if you do like us, those reviews do help us to get more people to find out about us. And if you can if you don't have time to do that today, if you could even just click subscribe on your podcast platform, the more of you that do that, the more people that end up checking us out as well because they're thinking, hey, this thing's popular. Let me find out uh, what uh, you know what uh, all the noise is. So thank you to all of you that have done those things already to help spread the word of mouth of our humble little abode each and every day here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. So we are almost two full years into the Trump presidency and with essentially the lame duck session uh, almost uh, done with here and we go home for Christmas and the new Congress comes in in January. Most of the policies that have been done so far on various issues with possible exceptions like foreign policy, which is an ongoing uh, task, but most of the domestic policies we've seen for the first two years are kind of in the books now that we're heading into mid-November post-election. And one of the issues we haven't talked a lot about since Trump took over, but it's one that 
impacts everybody watching. Whether you, you have kids in the system, you came from the system, maybe you have grandkids in the system, or at the very least, you're paying for it. If you went and looked at the budgets of all 50 states in the union, and you looked at their itemized budgets, I promise you, no lower than the second line in terms of total expenditure is education. And for most of the states in the union, it is number one. I met Dr. Duke Pesta several years ago during the fight that Glenn Beck here and the folks at The Blaze helped to lead, pushing back against Common Core. He did a lot of speaking around the country uh, doing the same. He's got his own show that uh, focuses daily on education issues as well. He believes so much in the cause. He started a really cool organization. My son Noah attends this online academy. It's called Freedom Project Academy. Dr. Duke Pesta joins us now here today, live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. Good to see you, Duke. How are you? Good to see you, Steve. Thanks for having me today. So, Duke, as you know, one of the uh, one of the the president's favorite uh, applause lines, other than build a wall, that he would throw out there that would always get rabid applause from the crowd is repeal Common Core. So let's start there. We're basically two years now, halfway through President Trump's term. What is the status of Common Core? What has this White House done to oppose it or repeal it? Nothing, nothing at all. Um, I, look, I don't blame Donald Trump. He went to private schools his whole life. His whole family was privately educated. What in the world would Donald Trump know about American public schools? Uh, all he had to do was uh, follow. He, I'm sure one of his advisors on the campaign trail said, you're in rural Wisconsin. Condemn Common Core and watch the audience go crazy. The, the reality is, is he, he appointed as his secretary of education somebody who was on Jeb Bush's Common Core board when he was governor of Florida. Do, Jeb Bush, as we know, was the one real Republican voice pushing Common Core at every level. He was out leading the drive for Common Core. Betsy DeVos was one of his major implementers of Common Core. We know that Betsy DeVos, in her own home state of Michigan, used her substantial fortune to keep the Common Core standards in Michigan when many Michiganders wanted it gone. And so one of the first things Betsy DeVos said within the first couple of months of her tenure was that we don't have to get rid of Common Core because it's already gone away. I'd love to meet her and just say, well, please, Ms. DeVos, tell us how it went away. Name one thing you did to remove Common Core from American public schools because there's nothing that's been done. Let's remind the audience, what is Common Core? What is it? Co- Common Core is, first and foremost, a sociological paradigm that transfers state and local control of education to Washington, D.C., strengthened by Republican-sponsored bills like the ESSA Act of 2015. Uh, I'll give you one example. For the first time in American history, the Secretary of Education for the United States of America has the right and the mandate to approve or to disapprove each individual state education curriculum. So it doesn't matter what you do in Michigan, doesn't matter what I do in Wisconsin, what the state of Wisconsin does. If Betsy DeVos doesn't like it, you have to change it. That is ceding control to the federal government. Mm -hmm. Common Core is one way we got there. Second of all, Common Core is a social justice paradigm when it comes to education. We cannot educate the lowest. We've been trying for 50 years to pull up the lowest performing people, kids in our schools. We can't get rid of the lowest performing kids. So what we're going to do in the name of social justice is lower the high achievement of our kids, pull down the high achieving kids so that everybody gets the same lower education. And we're going to call that equity. That's in other words, egalitarian pagan ethics is what you just described there, right? And we, and we, we create so, equality by spreading misery. That, that's essentially yep. the egalitarian mindset. Yep. And socialist outcome-based education brought to America. 
The idea that the Secretary of Education is 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 walking Phoenix's Commodus in the arena of one of my all-time favorite movies, Gladiator, at your state's education, uh, in regards to your state's educational uh, policy, this strikes me as a mistake. And, and I, I say this is, I used to make this mistake myself. And this is an argument some of that, that I've, you know, I've talked on the show before over the years. Some of my libertarian friends have won arguments with me. And this is one of them. See, I used to believe, like, for example, when it comes to domestic spying, that if, if the good guys, if our guys are running the program, then that means they're using their power not to find out, um, you know, what my wife and I may be uh, texting and uh, sending to each other uh, in, the, in, the, in the bonds of marital bliss, but because they're trying to get the terrorists, right? They're not, they're not, they, they, won't, they won't abuse the system, right? And that, that, that's not what happened. So I think one of the reasons, is this one of those situations that if it was Obama in office and it was his secretary of education that was given this veto pen, uh, Inspector 12, if you get the uh, Haynes underwear reference, kind of power over everybody's education, every conservative media outlet in the country would, be, would have birthed a cow 17 times about this by now. Absolutely. And I remind you that it was Republicans in 2015 when they controlled the House and the Senate that rammed through this ESSA Act, Every Student Succeeds Act, that actually transferred for the first time in American history the power away from local states and communities up to the federal government. And they would have had a cow. And what you said is exactly right, Steve. It's a broken system. When you created the Federal Department of Education in 1979, you created out of whole cloth and unconstitutionally a huge federal bureaucracy who, by definition, could not improve local and state education. All they could do is make it more expensive, more regulated, more political. And that's what we've seen happening. It doesn't matter who you put in charge of the Department of Education, because even if even if Betsy DeVos was the greatest reformer against public school control that we've ever had, she still runs a bureaucracy that has 5,000 people in it, most of, it who have, most of them who have been there for over 20, 30 years, almost all of whom are progressive educrats who are systematically undermining what Betsy DeVos would have done if she were a reformer, the same way that you've got the deep state undercutting Trump at every turn when he issues regulatory advice. I think what you're defining, and I've talked about this on the show here before as well, Duke, this is the difference between, say, public education and government education. Uh, A public education would be a a local co-op or maybe a a, a state's version of people who come together, uh, to use my uh, Catholic editor's uh, term, subsidiarity here, where the government that's closest to you tends to govern best and is the most because it's the most directly accountable to you, right? What you're talking about, is, is we're just bypassing public education. We're, this is government centralization, collectivization, bureaucracyization, uh, and, and this is so that a certain group of elites with, with their particular vantage point have control, and that's always the number one goal of progressive policy, regardless of whatever they tell you. The number one goal of progressive policy is one word, control. Yeah, and prior to the creation of the Department of Education, Congress allocated federal money 
for education. I think that's a mistake to begin with. If the feds are funding public schools, then you know eventually, Department of Education or not, they're going to be a price to pay for that money. But what happened prior to 1979 is Congress allocated money, and it was based on how many students do you have in your public schools, basically a head count. This many kids gets this much money. Along comes the Department of Education, and all that money that used to go directly from Congress to the states now funnels through the Department of Education, where the Department of Education gets to reward schools who adopt progressive education policy mm -hmm. and punish schools, blackmail schools, that don't get on board. Mm -hmm. And so there's your mechanism of control right there, and it has everything to do with politics and nothing to do with actually helping our kids read, write, and become better mathematicians. And we're not seeing any effort as far as you can tell, and you're covering this slate of issues on a daily basis there uh, with your show and what you do at Freedom Project Academy. You're seeing no effort from the Trump administration halfway through his first term to reverse this paradigm and return power back to local school boards, districts, and families. You're not, you're not seeing that reversal. I have not heard Donald Trump mention education in this country seriously since he took office, number one. Number two, we know for a fact that Betsy DeVos, the only thing that she pushes besides the status quo, besides federalizing education, take, using advantage of the power she's been given to gerrymander what the states are doing, the only initiative conservatives, I think, might get behind is she is a strong advocate for school choice. And she has uh, rather successfully uh, strengthened the push to school choice in the country. The problem is all school choice means is if it's the same failed curriculum – if all school choice means is moms and dads have different ways to receive the same failed public school education, it's not really choice. And so she has done nothing to fix the curriculum. She has done nothing to fix the meaningless high-stakes testing. She has done nothing to fix the ideological transformation of our kids' classrooms. She has done nothing to fix the radical sexuality of our little kids in the schools. She's done none of that. She has simply argued that charter school and voucher schools are ways that parents can use public school money to attend different kinds of schools, but the huge push in the country in the, at the state level has been to force charter and voucher schools, if they take any state or any federal money, to adopt the testing and the core curriculum that's used in the public schools. So we've seen really good independent charter schools that have had to go common core because they take state and federal funding. She's done nothing to fix that. Mm. So in other words, that this is we're not really talking about a paradigm shift. You're really talking about a cost shift. We're we're just shifting um, the the same paradigm and mechanism to private entities, but government remains in control. And that's the key. If the government's funding it at the state and federal level, they're not private. They are not private. Uh, they, they are by definition beholding to the people giving them the money. And you you just start a, say you just start a charter school and it's a classical school and after the first year and a half parents love it, kids are follow, funneling into you from the public school and the state of Iowa says to you, oh, you know what, because you're taking this amount of state funds and the federal government is diverting these kind of funds away from public schools to you, well, at the very least, you have to take the state Iowa state tests, which are all common core state tests, mm -hmm. which means you're going to have to teach common core to meet those results. And that's how they completely co-opt the system. Hmm. Dr. Duke Pester, our guest here today, live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV here on The Steve Day Show. You mentioned the, uh, the sexualization of our kids. And this was an early fight that this administration appeared to take on. A couple of my friends who cover and work and or work in this White House told me that she was actually opposed to rolling back Obama's uh, rainbow jihad 
uh, dictates. And it was actually Jeff Sessions as the attorney general at the time who actually went and lobbied to Trump to push back on these things. Where, where is that? Where does that push back stand? Are, are we in, are we still in a place where any guy that feels pretty in any public school or government school in America can be allowed to go right into the locker room and take a shower with your teenage daughter? Uh, and there's, and there's nothing nobody can do about it. Not only are we there, we're also at the point where we will punish people for objecting to it or, or schools that don't buy into it. I think you're exactly right. Betsy DeVos is not one who would pull back the dear colleague letter that Barack Obama wrote. I will say this about the Department of Education. Give them their due on this. I do think with, when it comes to the um, lack of due process in prosecuting boys who are accused of sexual assault on college campuses, mm-hmm. I think they have done some meaningful work there. Mm-hmm. I think the Department of Justice now, if your college, uh, if your son has been accused of rape on a college campus or sexual assault and your college is railroading them because Obama allowed it to happen, you don't have to have due process. You're not allowed to confront your accuser. You're not even allowed to have a lawyer I can just present. tell you as a guy that, that follows college sports and covers it daily, that's another show I do here on CRTV. There are at least there are three high profile cases at Minnesota. Uh, there was one at Tennessee. Uh, I could give another other examples where players were 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 about to get railroaded. I mean, the University of Tennessee kicked a guy off the football team and yanked his scholarship. The, a jury acquitted him in like forty five minutes when this thing actually went to trial. So this is what you this is one of the positive benefits that you're addressing right here. Correct? I agree, and and I do think that the federal the, the Department of Education and the Justice Department working together. Are are willing now to go after schools that do this. And it's not just three. There's been about uh, four dozen in the last six months. These cases finally get off campus where the university stonewalls, denies due process, uh, withholds evidence that would exculpate some of these boys. Mm-hmm. And the minute these, course, these, these, these cases bleed into the, the, the court system, they're immediately dismissed with prejudice. So the, the federal government, too, I think this, the Justice Department and the Department of Education are more than willing to defend those boys. But here's my question. Why are they not willing to proactively punish those universities to make them change their policies rather than only defending the boys after it gets off campus? Yeah, right. the University of Minnesota right now, there are guys on the football team this year who are who are on the team and on scholarship and are suing the university mm-hmm. for what happened there a few years ago where their Title IX office said that like nine of them were guilty of this uh, either gang rape and or cover-up. Uh, and they and and I don't know if some of our viewers remember, this is where they boycotted the bowl game and and the football coach stuck up for his players. And or it didn't really even stick up. Chasey Clays didn't even stick up for his players, just said, hey, they deserve to be able to defend themselves. He got fired from his job uh, on a team that won nine games. So this is sort of the Brett Kavanaugh-ization is what you're talking about. And I, and I, I get torn on this because, you know, I got daughters. Right. And I think rape ought to be a capital offense, in my view. And then I have a son and I'm like, you know, I I think if you're going to risk if you're going to risk his future and his life on a false allegation, that ought to be felony imprisonment. You know, filing a false knowingly filing a false allegation. But at the very least, we ought to have an opportunity for the the defense to be heard here. It's kind of weird where the you know, I I remember growing up, it was considered the liberal position. To, to, to grant the default of innocent until proven guilty to the guy who was accused of something heinous. And now we've kind of switched places on this, on this issue in the, la- in the last few years, it seems, Duke. Absolutely. And again, you know, the idea that 
on a co- college, most major universities are public state funded institutions that receive tremendous taxpayer dollars from the federal government. University of Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio State, they're all those kind of universities, which means they're the people's universities. And ironically, there is a much lower standard for fairness and constitutional uh, uh, due diligence on a college campus than there are in corporate board, private corporate boardrooms. Right. If private cor- corporate boards treated sexual, sexual assault cases the way universities do, we would would shut them down and find them into oblivion. Well, they, they basically they, they, swung, they swung the pendulum too far the other way because yeah, exactly. because because they permitted bailers because uh, to win they they essentially permitted sex hunting grounds and and looked the other way to win football games. They've now swung the pendulum so far the other way that in many respects these young men, the minute there's an allegation or instant, even if they go on and be acquitted, the branding of the Title IX office recommended your dismissal from school. That's a stigma. You don't. I don't. You 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 might as well have been found guilty in a court of law because you're guilty in the court of public opinion. So that's an interesting point. So Duke, if you had a chance to assess, give a letter grade on on comprehensively on education issues for the Trump administration halfway through his term, how would you grade him? An absolute D minus. The only thing that stops him from getting an F is a, I'm not completely convinced that Trump is paying any attention to education. I mentioned before, why would he even understand how it works? He appointed the wrong person, but there is some pushback. Like I said, for falsely accused boys, I don't understand why, uh, the, the Department of Education, the Department of Justice won't force universities to jettison this illegal and unconstitutional lack of due process rather than just defend the kids after the fact. But at least they're doing that, which is something that the Obama administration wouldn't have done. Mm. Duke, uh, give our audience a, a little tip. How can they find your show each day that focuses on these kinds of issues? Well, we, uh, we named it The Dr. Duke Show, so that's pretty obvious. Typed up in The Dr. Duke Show. If it's a one-hour show a week, basically de- dedicated to these kind of educational issues, nobody in the country does what we do. We cover it from kindergarten all the way through graduate school and sort of keep you up to speed about what's happening and what's trending in education policy. And again, like I said earlier, even if you don't have kids in the system right now, I don't care. I, I promise you, go to all, any of the 50 states' budgets. And if you look at the itemization line, the number one or number two expenditure in every one of those states is going to be what? Education. Education. So if, you're, if your kids aren't in the system, you're paying into that system. I mean, right now in Iowa, I've had, I've, we've homeschooled three kids now. One's a senior. The other's in eighth grade. The other's in sixth grade. I'm still paying a $13,000 per seat tax bill for all three of those kids to be in seats in public schools they don't currently occupy. So yeah, and even... I've got an, I've got a vested pu- interest in this, even though my kids you aren't do. even in the system, right? And Iowa public school kids, for all that money that keeps going up every year that you're paying, their performance is going down demonstrably. And then Freedom Project Academy. Noah has done this for the last couple of years. Our son is involved in this. Tell our audience about that. Freedom Project Academy, that is our complete online university from kindergarten through high school. We can do full curriculum or we can we, we are an accredited school so your kid can graduate with a diploma from Freedom Project. We bring all of our teachers live into your living room. We give mom and dad complete control over what goes on in the classroom. They can monitor it. They see everything that we do. We are a classical Christian education and our kids are getting into really, really good colleges. So if you want to homeschool but don't feel completely comfortable teaching all the subjects, we can step up and help you as a homeschool mom do what needs to be done to give your kids a first class education dr duke pesta good to see you brother thanks for coming on brother thank you Take care. thanks steve get some reaction what we just heard from dr duke pesta todd since you're the other parent in the room your thoughts on what you heard from duke assessing where, where the trump administration is halfway through its term on 
educational issues. That's the happiest guy ever wearing sackcloth and ashes I've ever seen. I, I, it, it is not good. And I kept thinking when, during my time uh, at the Des Moines Register as a reporter, I covered a lot of uh, school board meetings. And I distinctly remember during the discussion uh, of uh, con, uh, Common Core uh, and what uh, was also called standards-based grading, which is a part of it. And uh, a teacher, uh, the, the, there was a lot of pushback in this uh, suburban community uh, of Des Moines uh, about the watering down. Uh, the, the school board room was filled week after week after week and a teacher just flat out got up and said uh you know i know you know parents being involved in their kids education is uh you know it's kind of a nice thing and the way he framed it was just like a you know a pat on the head but he said but and this is a quote but there's a limit they think your kids belong to them not you Mm -hmm. i promise you this and listen i said i i am a firm believer in uh uh, homeschooling. Uh, my parents started off. Uh, my kids started off in a Catholic school, and now they are in a rural uh, public school. Uh, I, I'm not blaming you for what you do uh, with your kids, where you send them. We have lives that are tough to balance. We have a lot of demands on them. Private school isn't cheap. The amount of emotional energy that Steve will tell you it takes to dedicate to, to the homeschooling environment it, it, it is is no small thing. But just no matter what you're doing with the kids know this. And and as Steve said, as a taxpayer who has this fanciful idea about, you know, what you're pitching into for the common good, know this. What does that common good mean when they think fundamentally your kids belong to them more than you? There's no good answers to that. Mm. It was good to hear from Dr. Pesta again. And um, just to re... It- a remind I, when we when I saw that we were going to have him on, um, I thought, well, "What are we talking about?" This is kind of random to talk about education. Then he t- started talking about the lack of action uh, on anything positive regarding uh, education um, in the Trump administration, and the fact that we're even talking about uh, the vast majority of your conversation, Steve, was about your local education being controlled from a federal level. That, as much as anything else we've talked about today, should give you an indication of where we are as a culture, that we go day to day, um, not really batting much of an eye, and maybe some do, but day to day, we're just fine with, um, yeah, the, the, uh, some bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. gets to pull the levers and decide how much your kids, um, you know, how many resources your kids have access to based on whether or not your school administrators will indoctrinate them in the way that they wish to be. That's Mm -hmm. all being done by some bureaucrat in Washington. These are the things, though, fortunately, and Shannon Joy, our friend um, who's on the Dace Group quite often, she's really good at uh, pushing the issues when it comes to public education. These are some of the areas, though, where it might be, I won't want to say easy because nothing's easy. Everything is like is like Iowa football when it comes to this environment. N- nothing is easy at all. Um, but it's one of the areas in our government that is most, um, let's say, um, convenient to reach because anybody can go to a school board meeting. A lot of people um, are probably on first name basis uh, basis with um a lot of the administrators on our school boards as well. So I won't say it's an easy thing to change, but it's where we have, it's it's one of the areas of government that's closest to us 
that hopefully we can make a difference in if enough people actually um, actually are engaged. Um, but as I said, with bureaucrats in, in at the federal level trying to pull the strings, that's a really tall order. You know, my mama taught me it ain't no fun when the rabbits got the gun. So anytime you ask the federal government to do something, when your guys are in charge, make sure you're okay setting that precedent. Because one day, the Pharaoh who knows not Joseph will be in charge and use that power against you. Buy, sell, or hold is next. And we are back here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here as well. And now is the time on Sprockets when we dance. It is time for buy, sell, or hold. Each Wednesday on the show, our producer Aaron is supposed to come up with a series of hopefully meaningful and provocative statements that Todd I, and I... I forgot again this yeah, week to do that. Yeah, and he never does and begs the audience to come up with them instead because he's lazy. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, uh, preoccupied. Is that the word I'm supposed to use? If you're not, uh, if you're not lazy, you're not trying. Wait. <laughs> so if we, the audience via Aaron throws out a series of statements on a plethora of topics. Todd and I will then decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Hopefully we have at least one good reason why we are choosing to do one or the other. Once per show, we are permitted to put a hold on a topic. But if you do so for any reason other than its complete and total lameness, you have violated the dude code for being passive rather than taking a stand. And you will be mercilessly and deservedly so mocked. Aaron, you're up. All right. First one comes from a guy named Tony Mercer, who says, Steve will get sidetracked again, leaving only five minutes for the buy, sell, hold segment. Tony, that's a good one, but you got to sell. It's already self-evident. Sell. We had an entire half hour to do this almost, man. Yeah. Quit busting my chops, Tony. Hey, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar once said in the classic airplane, you tell your old man to lug Bill Walton's carcass up and down the court all afternoon, all right? You give this a shot, brother. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Todd doesn't even get a say. Not that there's anything to say about. Uh, Constantinos Roditis. There he is. After one week hiatus. Norm! Uh, the, <laughs> the official voter guide strategy for the Steve Day Show is never vote for the person who you think is going to do the best job. Vote for the person who is going to screw you over the least because they will all screw you over. Um, Bye. It's a lot I on a t-shirt. It. That's right way there. too much I to put on it. a t-shirt. Can, let me just narrow it down. <laughs> You're okay? screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, vote against communists. <laughs> Actually, the, that's kind of the lesser these days, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> a good communist that's you the, might take. That's the best I got. <laughs> Don't vote for Lord Nefarious. <laughs> yes. Vote against communists. That's 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 what I'm bringing to the table. That's a, that is. It's not quite as good as don't don't disagree with somebody until they say something you disagree with. It's not quite that profound. But vote against uh, communists is today's mic drop. That's oh, great, great segment so far. Yeah. So far, Steve gets distracted, and communists aren't so bad after all. Yep. <laughs> Evangelical Norm says 2020, 20, or 2024 will have the first truly competitive third party cell. 
Yeah, I'm I don't. Out. I'm already yeah, out. Yeah, so. I, I saw 2024 and I s- stuck a fork in my eye. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you would have, you could have constructed uh, the exact same tweet, Evangelical Norm, if it would have began this. On Earth 2. Would have started there. <laughs> yes. I think you'd have been fine. All right. But here on Earth Prime, yeah. no, no, not happening. Bruce Johnson says when she leaves public service, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will be a multimillionaire. Oh, bye. 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 Absolutely. I mean, hate the game, not the player. What's what's the McConnell family's worth has tripled since he got into the U.S. Senate or something like that, right? Isn't Sounds it tripled? About right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's pretending to be a capitalist. What is somebody completely given over to the system of government graft? Maybe How, if, what, I mean, what is she going to be able to do to enrich maybe, herself? Maybe if she's lucky, she'll have two or three houses like Bernie. I got it. I'll be disappointed if she only has three houses yeah. like Bernie. Her ridiculous, juvenile-esque troll game that just displayed itself by just flat out walking into uh, Nancy Pelosi's office, uh, that actually got... She's She's got that combination of ignorance and bravado that instantly <laughs> makes me need to ask this as a serious question. What is the over or under on her running for president in well, two years? It's, well, not two years, tomorrow. So, because, Todd, sometimes the people of Iraq, they don't have maps, all right? For goodness sakes, man. She's running. Have some heart. But, you know, that scene with her going into oh, yeah. Pelosi's office, remember the little argument uh, Shannon and I got in on yeah. Roundtable Friday? Right. And th- that's exactly what I was trying to explain to her. I, I, I don't disagree with, if you go back and watch Friday's Days Group Roundtable, what Shannon is correct that the Republican Party wants to continue the unibrow duopoly. That is that is absolutely its heart's desire. I there's no doubt about that. There is no question about that. And and go look at the liberty scores of all the people winning the the leader the leadership elections in the U.S. Senate today. All right, they're all bad. They're all bad. I have no doubt at all that they would sit here and do whatever it took to con- to continue the graft. The problem is is that you you need a partner for that agreement. And the Democratic Party is no longer interested in going along with that agreement. Or even when and if it is, there is a segment of its base that is not interested. That are, the as you like to call them, Todd, they are the true iconoclasts. They are not here for negotiation. They're here for deconstruction. Two totally different things. And so the Republicans are not permitted, and I have every confidence they will continue to try the duopoly scam one, one-sided. I have every, every belief in that. Yes. I just don't believe it'll be successful because the other side isn't coming to the table any longer. Chuck Gregory says pumpkin uh, cheesecake from Costco is better than pumpkin pie as Thanksgiving dessert. Now, this one's tough. Because I've not tried the pumpkin cheesecake at, at Costco. And if, you, if you're new to our show, the official show position is pumpkin spice all the things. Correct? Well, it, as long as the rules are you, you're the only voice that matters in making official. Yeah, that's yes, true. then yeah. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> the official show position, therefore, is pumpkin spice all the things. Well, Thank we you. Cover that. The brain says the brain is the most important <laughs> organ in the body. Yeah, the heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> Pumpkin spice all the things, okay? Now, I, when, when you have pumpkin spice up against pumpkin spice, though, 
that's where my head starts doing, you know, 360s. I'm not sure how to compute that. I've not tried the pumpkin cheesecake, but the fact that it comes with the Costco brand, in my mind, gives it instantaneous credibility. Because the official show position on Costco, gentlemen, is what? Costco, Costco's all good. the things? It, it's a magical place. I'll sign on for that one. Costco it's is good. a magical it place. That habanero white cheddar. It's, that, a, it's, you know. a, it's a lot of things you don't need but are good in bulk. That's America. Costco is a magical place. You can't so, get those. I can't find any beef sticks, though. The ones that Todd brought in last week from Aldi's, those are... Those were good. Out the... Out the... Yeah, those were good. But, the, like, Costco cake, that's a white trash delicacy, guys. Costco cake, you know, credit. I love the Costco cake. And so if the same people making that white trash delicacy Costco cake are making their pumpkin spice cheesecake... This one's a tough one. Tom, I'm going to let you go first on this one. I'm going to have to think about this. Go ahead. I don't even remember the question anymore. <laughs> what are we t- it is. What am I comparing uh, this to? Pumpkin cheesecake <laughs> from Costco is better than pumpkin pies Thanksgiving d- dessert. We just got done talking about a though. Since I haven't had the pumpkin, and I do love cheesecake, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to defer to the old standby because pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving Day is a beautiful thing. I'm... Um, even though the, carrying the Costco seal of approval is way up there in, in thine eyes, I, I, I haven't tried it either. So I got to go with the standard in pumpkin pie. Yeah. Now, Baker Square, I'm going over and getting one of these for Thanksgiving next week. Now, that's a name I haven't heard in many years. Yes. Baker Square, Obi-Wan, is, has a pumpkin pecan Pie. Oh wow! See? Now I love both of them. Now my yeah. my my worry though is, like I remember when I heard there was macaroni and cheese pizza, and I'm like, <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> See, I I did not have oh, that reaction. That's- I'm there. All right, and then I went and tried it. And I'm like, you know, I love mac and cheese, and I love pizza. And as macaroni and cheese pizza goes, I love mac and cheese and pizza. They they they, they don't belong together. Sometimes they they, they it sounds better. Than it is, right? Like the decision to put Venom and Sandman in the same Spider-Man movie. It sounded great to Sam Raimi. I'm sure about halfway through the filming, he's like, I, I should have just made these separate villains and separate movies, right? So the pumpkin pecan pie, to me, sounds good, but I'm concerned that when we get there, they kind of might cancel each other out. What say you, Urza? I think we need to formally try this I, I, I do think that it would only be right of us to yes. try that for ourselves and F-A-D. not just make it would be the only ethical decision we could possibly make. I yep. agree. Yes. Yep. Uh, Bill Clint- Kindle says, Bill Trumpy. <laughs> sorry. Trumpy. I, I start talking about ethical decisions and yeah. you Freudian slipped <laughs> Bill Clinton. Yeah. Nice. Cause I always think about him when I think of ethics. Uh, Bill Kindle says Trumpy bear becomes a publicly traded brand and its stock price outpaces Bitcoin. This is the easiest buy we've buy. ever had. Buy. Trumpy Bear will be, there's a better chance Trumpy Bear is the mark of the beast than that it won't be successful. Bye. Trumpy Bear, all the things. Bye. Okay. Pumpkin spice Trumpy Bear. Um, I'm going to be cuddling a Trumpy Bear here Yeah. at this rate, yeah. on, on the set here, yeah. yes. Blake Johnson says, A Christmas Story is the most overrated Christmas movie. I, I, can, can I, uh, let me, can I throw in a buy, seller hold? Sure. Blake Johnson is a terrible human being. Buy, sell. Buy. <laughs> Buy. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. Um, uh, Jacob Hibbert <laughs> says... 
we, we clearly do not care about elevating our programming to more listeners. Blake, but I want to just say, Blake, we really appreciate you tuning in. We do. Bless your heart. Yes. Um, Jacob Hibbard says, Avengers 4 introduces the Fantastic Four and or X-Men into the MCU. Well, I'm going to sell. Yeah, that is fascinating. Though. Even I, as a concept? I, I don't. I think they won't muddy the waters with that whatsoever at all. That's, I don't. I, I Did you hear that the... The cut right now is three hours long. I'm glad. Nice. I know. I agree too. Yeah. yeah. I like. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna buy it as a theory, even if it's only loosely. Well, tell me. Well, like, okay. Yeah, even if it's in the define post, introduced, like well, post. Are they gonna credit? go? Could the Baxter Building be a set piece? Yeah. Anything okay. like yes. Well, you know, are we talking a, a reference? Any reference post credit scene? Any reference at all? Any reference? Okay. Do I think there may be a reference to the Baxter Building or something like that? I'll buy that. I think okay. even more overt. But when I, I, I guess I kind of thought like a passing of the baton. If no. it's nebulous, um, then definitely buy. If 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 what we're saying, you know, introducing is nebulous as kind of any because we didn't. Nobody thought. Did anybody think Red School was going to be in? Uh, that's a good point. Right. That, that's a good point. So when yeah. when when you think they're going to zig, they're going to zag a lot of times. So okay, then in that case, see, I think we're several years away from the X Men being introduced into the MCU just because there's another, there's one last Fox X-Men movie yeah. coming out next summer. Yeah. So I, I think we're several years away from them being introduced into the MCU mutants. I, I definitely think the Fantastic Four of all the Fox properties they accomp- they, uh, they acquired, that's going to be the very first one because it's, 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 it's the one most crying out to be resurrected and rescued. It's one of the original great Stan Lee creations uh, Marvel was so upset at what Fox was doing to the property. They canceled the comic book a couple of years ago. Um, and so <clears throat> I, I, I think the, the Fantastic Four in the MCU is right around the corner. I think the X-Men in the MCU is several years off. Yeah, that's what I, I think. Agree. All right. Dave, Re- this one is for you, Todd, by the way. Dave Requisite says Hillary will run again. Bye. I'm gonna sell, man. I, I just I've got. Look at you, Pollyanna again. I've got to believe. All right, I'm I'm buying. Wait, wait. I, I I I have to believe at some point self awareness. No, no. And then I realized as soon as I was about to verbalize it, what am I talking about? When, when Congressman Dan Crenshaw did that little Saturday Night Live skit and he said Pete Davidson looked like uh, if crack took on human form. If total depravity <laughs> took on human form, aren't we talking about Hillary Clinton as a politician? Yep. As a poli- just I don't know. To quote Hillary, they all look the same. So, oh. uh, Craig Willoughby says Saquon Barkley will be this generation's Barry Sanders Hall of Fame talent stuck on a team that never makes a run at the playoffs. Uh, sell. First of all, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders yeah. went to the playoffs five times yeah. and played in an NFC championship oh. game. Okay. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, <laughs> Saquon Barkley's with an organization. What? I'm just correcting the record. I know. I, you know it's a, I love when you go Lions. It makes me happy. It's like, <laughs> hold on a second. Well, don't use the Lions sucking out of context. No one gets to rip the Lions but me. It's another official <laughs> it makes, show position. It makes Pumpkin me happy. spice, all the things, yes. and no one rips the Lions but me. Thank you. I just enjoyed it. Okay, but uh, Saquon Barkley is on an, is part of an organization that has won multiple Super Bowls. All right, so uh, I, I think it's way too early 
to be assuming You're not, that kind see, of an analogy. He's not going to let you go lamentations you, you on the giants. You cannot misery me. Compared no. to the lions? Never. Guy, guys, and before you want to make the case, I'm a whiny fan. The Cleveland Browns literally weren't a franchise for what? They left in 95, and then they came back as an expansion team in 1999. And what what the NFL did is it is it made the Baltimore Ravens, who were which is where Cleveland moved, their own franchise, and it gave the city of Cleveland when it put the expansion team there all the old record books of the original Browns, which are no longer tied to the Ravens. Okay, so so for five years or almost five years, Cleveland didn't have a team. Would you like to know since the Lions beat the Cleveland Browns in the 1957 NFL Championship on December 28, 1957? That's Detroit's last. Football championship, okay? Would you like to know how many playoff games the Cleveland Browns, who didn't even have a team for five seasons, how many playoff games they've won since then? Yes. Would you like to know? Yes. <laughs> I do. I do. Seven. <laughs> Seven's the answer. Would you like to know how many playoff games the Lions have won since then? Is it a low number? That's a pretty low number. One. One. How do you feel about that, Steve? I'm upset. And bitter. Are you? And I have bad thoughts. Yes. Yeah. You go to a bad place. Yes, and I'm and I have no plan to repent of those bad thoughts because they're they're what keep me going at this point is the bitterness. Yes. I love it. You know, when if you reach old eighty year old old man status and people are coming to you, you know, God, times are kind of hard. Uh, grab a day. So what, what do you think? We, let me tell you about the Detroit Lions. I'll tell you about hard times. It's yes. Be great. Yes, absolutely. All right, next. Uh, last one. Preston Randall says, CFP, college football playoff, current top four, wins out. Here's the thing. We're at the point now where the odds of it, it never happens. And the odds are so low that it would kind of be the craziest thing to happen now. You know what I'm saying? Sure. You know, the conventional wisdom now is that they never do. We've never really had a year where that actually happened. It's a little bit like the NSA basketball tournament. We've only had one season where all the number one seeds made it. That was the first time that Kansas won it with uh, Bill Self. And there's only been a couple of times that three number one seeds have even made it. So it's not really even chalky when you fill out your NSA tournament bracket to pick all the number one seeds because that's actually the most unconventional pick of them all. And the same thing is true here. Um, I, I, a lot of people I know whose opinions I respect think Syracuse has a chance to beat Notre Dame. I don't see it, though. I'm looking at the game. I, because, they, the, first of all, it's outdoors in the cold. Syracuse is the dome team. Notre Dame is the more physical team up front. You know, The cold does less to impact Notre Dame than the dome team that wants to throw the ball 50 times. USC is a total hot mess right now, and that's Notre Dame's last game. You know, Alabama has, you know, an offense for the ages. That's the most fascinating thing about this to me. I think Alabama has the greatest chance to lose. I agree because they got to play because the they have to, they're playing they're playing Georgia. I yeah. would agree, but I, I just tell you, and, I'm, and maybe this is where my fandom do, does come in. We've beaten Ohio State once in fourteen years. Going down there um, will not be easy, particularly with all the pressure on us. Because we're going to be favored. I mean, Michigan hasn't been favored at Ohio State since the last time we won a game in Columbus, and that was the year 2000. The year 2000 was the last time Michigan won a football game in Columbus, Ohio. That was the last time Michigan was favored, you know? So I'm going to actually buy, though, because I, 
un, it would be unconventional for it to happen. And it's the one scenario we haven't had yet where the clear top four teams made it all the way through and won out. Last week, you know, the top 10 teams won by an average of 17 points a game. So I, I'm going to buy. I'm going to say that's going to happen this year. I am convinced by all of that, but I'm going to say so. Just to make me upset. I just, it's I can, which the, I can respect. It's that. the math, man. I can respect that. All right. Hey, thanks for tuning in here today. Don't forget, check us out on Twitter at Steve Day Show, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.